Good morning. Welcome to First Presbyterian Church. It is so good to have you here in the sanctuary with us. And for those of us joining online, uh, welcome to this time of sanctuary. Uh, I have two announcements that you're only going to listen to the first two, and then I'm going to tell you two more that you won't listen to. But the first two are that uh, I do want to remind you that there are prayer cards in your pews. If you have a prayer that you would like included in worship today, this is the time um, to fill one out. Uh, during uh, the first pieces of music, the ushers will come down the main aisles and will be collecting any of those you have for worship this morning. The second is all of you in your bulletin should have a green sheet. Um, you see the poinsettias before you. Uh, here they are. Uh, if you would like one of these poinsettias to be in honor or in memory of someone uh, important in your life, this is the sheet to fill out uh, and just return it um, in the basket over there amongst the poinsettias uh, after worship this morning. I promise it is there. We'll get it to the basket for you. So see, those are the two announcements you're going to listen to. And as you furiously uh, fill out your sheets, I will tell you two more. Uh, the first one is egg rolls, egg rolls, egg rolls. The Laotian congregation that nests with us has nested with us over 25 years. Um, they uh, like to do a thank you luncheon once a year. COVID uh, kept them from that last year, and they are determined uh, this year to provide one. And so next Sunday, beginning at noon, following this service, there will be egg rolls and chicken fried rice and other goodies made by the Laotians to go. So uh, they are going to make everything that they know you love, and they're going to put them in individual boxes. So they would love for any of you to come over to the gym uh, following service next week uh, and take a Laotian a box of love to go. And the last announcement I have for you is we had our very first silent nights uh, this past Wednesday at 6 p.m. here in the sanctuary for Facebook, YouTube, and the website. It was very well received so far. There will be another one this Wednesday night at 6 p.m. This is uh, an event that is to interrupt your evening. Uh, you do not need to come to the church. You simply go to one of those three sites and enjoy 10 to 15 minutes of respite, of quiet, of holiness in the midst of this season. So that is at 6 p.m. this Wednesday night. With all of that in mind, let's worship God. Our call to, <clears throat> our call to worship. The day is near, and so we wait. As we prepare, grant us the courage to make peace, prepare our hearts, I'm sorry, peace in our hearts, peace in our homes, peace in our communities. Amen. In this meantime, we will sing into the silence. We will light a candle against the darkness. Let us pray together. 
Holy God of peace, give us ears to hear and hearts to trust the promises you offer to us in this season of Advent. As we worship together, we offer ourselves to you and we open ourselves to your abundant grace. Amen. Please remain standing as we confess our sins now before God and one another using the prayer printed in our bulletins. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, this season is filled with angel visits and divine proclamations. Forgive us when we fail to hear them amidst our ordinary days. Forgive us when we fail to see them among us. We know that you continue to speak, continue to be present. Help us to have enough room in our lives for your presence, for your voice. Remove from us anything that gets in the way. Our prayer is that you come to us, Lord. You will find that there is room for us. Amen. My brothers and sisters, in our baptism, we were claimed once and for all by Jesus Christ. In these waters, whatever you have done, whatever you have left undone has been forgiven. Know that you are forgiven and be at peace. As we prepare our hearts and minds, let us pray. Lord, you are our rock and you are our refuge. You are a very present help in time of trouble. And so we pray that as we hear your word read and proclaimed, that it would be a sure foundation for us. Strengthen and renew us with your word, we pray. It is in your name that we ask it. Amen. Our first scripture in this second week of Advent comes to us from the last book in our Old Testament, from the prophet Malachi, chapter 3. Listen for God's word. See, I am sending my messenger to prepare the way before me, and the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple, the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight. Indeed, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. But who can endure the day of his coming, and who can stand when he appears? For he is like a refiner's fire and like fuller's soap. He will sit as a refiner and purifier of silver, and he will purify the descendants of Levi and refine them like gold and silver until they present offerings to the Lord in righteousness. Then the offering of Judah and Jerusalem will be pleasing to the Lord as in the days of old and as in former years. And then our second scripture. If you are a church which follows the liturgical year, uh, then you cannot get to Christmas without bumping right up against John the Baptist. Every year, just when we are ready to sing fa-la-la-la-la, here he is. And we are reading from Luke 3, the introduction to his ministry. 
In the 15th year of the reign of Emperor Tiberius, when Pontius Pilate was governor of Judea, and Herod was ruler of Galilee, and his brother Philip ruler of the region of Iture and Turconitis, and Lysania ruler of Abilene, during the high priesthood of Annas and Caiaphas, the word of God came to John, son of Zechariah, in the wilderness. He went into all the region around the Jordan, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. As it is written in the book of the words of the prophet Isaiah, the voice of one crying out in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Every valley shall be filled, and every mountain and hill shall be made low, and the crooked shall be made straight, and the rough ways made smooth, and all flesh shall see the salvation of God. This is the word of the Lord. I'm just a voice crying in the wilderness. You ever said that? If you haven't said it, have you ever thought it? If you have, I would bet that you have at least thought it once in your life. And that moment when you said it or thought it is a moment when you felt ignored or you felt your efforts were futile. You even might have felt desperate. That's how we say it. Uh, When we don't feel we're being heard, we say, I'm a voice crying in the wilderness. Does no one care? And usually, you know, no one responds. That's why we're a voice in the wilderness. It's this sort of tone of despair, uh, the way we say it in our lives. And when we first read this passage in Luke, that we hear that John is the voice crying in the wilderness, we get that same feeling of desperation in it. Uh, Luke stacks it up for us. He begins uh, this narrative introducing John with powerful person upon powerful person upon powerful person. You heard me stumble over their names and probably, I hope, enjoyed yourself a bit. Lysanias and Caiaphas. We've got rulers in there and a governor, an emperor, and two high priests just to throw on top. All of them power, authority, force standing. There they are, stacked up against every layer of Roman authority that is pressing its thumb down on the Israeli people. And standing apart from all of them, there's John. There he is, his voice crying out in the wilderness. Now, if that doesn't feel desperate enough yet, let me give you a little bit more. The wilderness will always do it. That's where we hear he is. That's where the voice is coming from, is the wilderness. And in biblical times as of now, we know that the wilderness is a stand-in for desperation. The wilderness is a harsh place, a desert. No one lives in the wilderness because it cannot sustain a person there. It's too desolate. And there he is, all by himself, John, in the wilderness. You know, we believe now when we look back that John was beginning this preaching and teaching ministry. We believe he was doing that around the year 27 or 28. That's where we've pinpointed it to. And that's pretty amazing, by the way, that we can pinpoint it that closely. But John 
wouldn't have just been feeling desperate in that year or two. The Jewish people were not feeling desperate in just that year or two. Here is the history they were living into. The last time there had been a prophet of God in Israel was 500 years before. 500 years it has been since God sent them a prophet. And that prophet was Malachi. He received and shared his messages 500 years before. So you go back 500 years, and then if you look in Israel's history to the 100 years before that 500, that is when all of the exiles got to come home. That is when the people who had been banished for generations from their homeland, they got to come back. And in that 100 years, a tremendous amount of our scripture was written. God was sending message after message after message, a symphony of them. Jeremiah was written then, Ezekiel, most of Isaiah. A word from the Lord, a word from the Lord, a word from the Lord. It just bubbled up. And then the messages stopped. They stopped. It appeared that God was done with them. There were no more words from the Lord. Talk about crying in the wilderness. You know, we might hear John's voice that way. We clearly have, at least culturally, because that's what that phrase has come to mean for us, this call of desperation. But this is not at all how the people who heard John in that day would have heard it. This is not at all how the first people who read Luke would have read it. Certainly, everything I shared with you was true. They were subjects of an empire under the thumb of Rome, and their wilderness is a harsh place. That's still true, and God had been silent for a very long time. All true. But this phrase, a voice crying in the wilderness, it was never one of desperation or futility. It was a message of hope. That is how it was heard. That is how we need to hear it today. It's a message of hope because of all those powers and authorities that I listed for you and I tripped over their names, of all that list that Luke gives us, we learn that the word of God did not come to them, not a single one of them. The word of God came to John, unpowerful, ordinary John. The word of the Lord came to him. God spoke to him. That's hope. That's hope. And then let's take that back even further. Let's even take some words out of that sentence and simply say, God spoke. The word of the Lord came to anyone. It had been 500 years. That is hope. God is not done with his people yet. That's the first thing we should hear when we hear that the word of the Lord came to John. God is not done with his people yet. It was also a message of hope because what we probably cannot hear as well, but they would have heard immediately, was they knew the wilderness was a difficult place. They knew it was a place of testing and of trial. But anyone who knew about the exile knew that the only way home was through the wilderness. When the exiles come back home, they have to literally cross the desert to get there. If they want to be home, they have to literally ford that Jordan River to get there. 
The wilderness is the way home. They literally knew that, and they figuratively knew it too. We know it too. That the way home has to be a place where we realize our sustenance comes from God alone, where all of the extras are stripped away so that we can see the path forward. What hope? John stands in that desert place, and he cries out a message of hope. Literally what he says is, repent and be forgiven, which I think means turn around. You can come home. Turn around. Repent. You can come home. You are forgiven. Coming home seems to be uh, a theme for us at Christmas, isn't it? Uh, Literally and figuratively, we make our homes ready for anyone who would like to come back to us at that time. We go to others' homes. You can't watch the Hallmark Christmas Channel right now without finding some spunky city girl who eventually goes home to her small town and finds that it was waiting for her all the time. And I, the only one who watches these shows, coming home, right? It's It's a huge Christmas theme. Many of us pray that literal prayer. We know that deep desire to be able to return home to a home we don't have anymore. I remember when my grandfather, in the last couple of years of his life, he had lived over 45, 50 years at his home at 905 Albany in Lexington, Kentucky, and he was no longer able to live there. And one of the last prayers remaining in his life, he would say over and over again, get me to 905 Albany. (laughs) Take me to 905 Albany. How many times did he say that? You can imagine. Get me home. And many of us know that desire. We know that prayer We know a bit of what it feels like. Some of us may long for a home that no longer even exists, or we pray that things could be different. We pray that we could mend fences and and welcome home someone who's not welcome right now, or that maybe we could mend our own heart and find a way to be welcomed where we don't feel welcome. Some of us pray that literally. We long for it, home. And for many of us, we well know that that is a place and a time that will not be. It can never be again. We know that. As deep as our desire is for that kind of home, we know that John is offering something even more powerful even more powerful of a desire. This is the home that John is promising. We know it's not some literal house of our childhood or some past that we can't regain. He is promising if you will turn around, you can come home to God again. If you will just turn around, home is waiting for you. God is waiting for you. It's a truer home than we could ever imagine, and that promise is still true. Unlike those earthly homes that we may or may not ever be able to return to, the promise never ends of our truest home. 
It cries out to us, that voice, no matter what we have done, no matter where we have been, come home. John says, you can come home. His message reminds me of one of the most powerful homecomings I have ever known about, and it was not on the Hallmark Christmas Channel. Although I think if we shared, many of us could share powerful God homecomings that we have seen in our own lives. This one I am thinking of, it it was powerful in part because of how public it was for all to see. But that wasn't all of its power. I think most of its power was how long the wilderness had been to get to the door, to get home. Surprisingly enough, this homecoming was found in the New York Times opinion page almost 25 years ago, not where you would expect to see a God homecoming, but there it was. It was a letter, an open letter, that the Holocaust survivor Elie Wiesel wrote to God. An open letter. And in it, he does not hold back. He does not sugarcoat what the wilderness has been like. But then he ends the letter with these words. He writes to God, As my people enter the new year again, preparing ourselves to pray for a year of peace and happiness for our people and all people, let us make up master of the universe. In spite of everything that happened, yes, in spite, let us make up. For the child in me, it is unbearable to be divorced from you so long. That's how John ended his ministry, his words there in the wilderness that day. It is too difficult to be divorced from God so long. So turn around, because you can come home, but you will have to go through the wilderness. I don't know what home is most in prayer for you right now. Perhaps in your life right now, you are feeling very close to God, very at home with God, but there is a human relationship. There is a relationship somewhere in your life that needs a turnaround. It needs an open door. Or maybe for you, you are feeling far away from that truest home. You are feeling far away from the shelter of the one who made you. It feels like he has not talked to you in a very long time. Well, consider this your word from the Lord. Consider this him speaking to you today. Whichever home it is you seek, this is the time to turn around. This is the time. Turn around and come home. Repent of what needs forgiveness and make your way back. Phil talked about Last week, how for we Christians, this is our new year. Happy new year to all of you. There is no better time. There's no better time to turn around. It won't be easy. The wilderness never ends. It's not easy, but in the wilderness is where you'll find the Lord. He's not done with his people yet. He is not done with you yet. Amen.
Let us pray. Holy and merciful God, on this day, we pray for those areas of our lives and those parts of our faith which exist this day in the wilderness. We pray that we would find renewal. We pray that we would find sustenance. And we pray that we would find our way home to you. Our way home to repairing the broken areas of our lives our way home to renewing relationships which have turned. Over the course of our lives with you, you have led us through the wilderness so many times, and we pray that you would do it once more this day. And on this day, we are particularly mindful of those whom we know who live in the wilderness, isolated from you, separated from you, and suffering because of the conditions of this world. Today we pray especially for Roman as he suffers in Haiti. We pray for those who struggle with their faith, who have no faith. We pray that you would give them faith and that you would guide all people to you. And we take this time now to offer our prayers for particular people and situations. Holy God, we gather this day as one people in one body, and we pray that you would help to renew our love for one another. Help us to celebrate this place which calls all of us together. Remind us of the ways in which we serve one another, learn from one another, and love one another. Help us to be ever mindful of the gift that is our brothers and sisters in Christ and our gift that is this place, this community, which strengthens our faith encourages us to serve, and draws us ever nearer to you. We take this moment now to offer our silent prayers for particular brothers and sisters this day with whom we serve and worship. Holy God, we know that you hear all of our prayers. And we offer them this day in the name of Jesus Christ, who taught us to pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. As you know, we don't collect an offering these days, but we have very carefully hidden the basket if you want to throw something in there. It is, I see you looking for it. It really is over there behind the poinsettias if you want to throw something in there after worship. Uh, but for now, please receive this offering of music.
every mountain and hill made low. The crooked straight, the crooked straight, the crooked straight, and the rough places plain, and the rough places plain, and the rough places plain. The crooked straight. As you go out into this day, I charge you with the prophet Micah's charge, for he says, what does the Lord require of you but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God? May the Lord bless you and may the Lord keep you. May the Lord's face shine upon you and give you his peace now and forevermore. Amen. The peace of Christ be with you. Please greet one another in his name.